strokes of country. Welcome to your side serving of Strokes of Country in association with BBR Music produced by Why Now, where we bring you the best of country, Americana and more. I'm Kira, one of your hosts, along with Holly and Ross, and you can join us for the full version of this episode over at whynow.co.uk. Today's guest is Everett. I caught up with them to chat about their performance at C2C, their song, Gonna Be a Problem, songwriting as a duo, and Dirk Bentley's hair. You can listen to the extended edition of this interview on whynow.co.uk, where we'll hear music from Everett and find out which country song they think should have been a hit in our regular feature, the banger that should have been. We'll also have music from Emily Harris, Caitlin Butts and Charlie Crockett. We've got our lyrics quiz, Two Chords and a Lie, where Holly tests Kira and I on our country music knowledge by seeing if we can tell which country lyrics are genuine and which were written by her. And we'll have our country music deep dive. This month, we're talking about the songs that were recorded or written especially for movies. Listen on whynow.co.uk and follow Strokes of Country on Instagram for all the updates. For now, here's Everett. Hello, welcome to Strokes of Country. I'm Holly. Um, listeners, this is a very sensational day and I will tell you why. Uh, usually when we have guests on Strokes of Country, we have a big massive ocean between us. Uh, here we are in London, there they are in the US. But today, I'm very pleased to say that I'm actually in the same room as my guests. Uh, they are a country duo hailing from Kentucky named after a George Clooney character and sounding just as smooth. Hello and welcome to Everett. Hello, how are you doing? I'm very well, how are you? I'm um, a little jet lagged, but happy to be here. Uh, I might be a little hungover. Okay, <laughs> the classic combination, yeah. we love it. Uh, hey, you've been on the tube this morning. Yes. How, how was that? It was good, it was loud, it was good. Yeah? And fast. And fast. But you got here, yeah. despite Quickly. the jet lag and the hangover. <laughs> um, and you're in London for C2C, which uh, is long overdue because you were supposed to play at C2C in 2020 and we all know what happened there. Um, but here we are two years later. How is it? How are you feeling about it? Well, I was telling Anthony yesterday, I was like, 2020 when we were here, we went to Edinburgh first with our wives. And I was like, it feels like it was 10 years ago and also like two weeks ago at the same time. It kind of just, I don't know, it's an odd feeling to already, we've been itching to come back and anticipating for so long now that it's here. It's like, all right, here we are. Yeah, it's a combination of where are we and when are we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're very happy to have you here. Um, is there, what are we getting from 2022 Everett that we wouldn't have got from 2020 Everett? Mm. That's a great question. We have... Uh, well, side B of our new records coming. We had actually, okay, the beginning of 2020, we had just recorded the album Kings of the Dairy Queen parking lot, and uh, side A is out. Side B will be coming out this year. Yeah, I'm not, so in 2020, was Kings of the Dairy Queen parking lot out yet when we were we here? Had, we had just recorded it. Yeah, we hadn't released it yet, so. It hadn't been mixed yet. We've had a lot of new music since 2020 that we're going to be playing this weekend, so we're excited about it. Also, uh, <clears throat> A big, some, I feel like life has just been so full since then. Um, we've had babies, uh, wow. not together, but uh, <laughs> I am still trying to lose the baby weight. I see. Uh, <laughs> How's it going? Not great. Okay. <laughs> um, Too much good food in London. Yeah, right. Uh -huh. But um, we've played, since then, we've played the Opry twice, um, wow. and we hope to, they want to have us back, and we're like, okay, I guess so. 
Yeah. Man, let us, is, let us check our schedules. Yeah. I do feel, feel like life has uh, increasingly become more beautiful and fruitful and peaceful. Yeah. Weirdly, in a time of so much chaos, you know. And how was the Opry? Oh, man, it was everything you would think it would be. Um, our debut was on January 28th or 29th. I yeah. get those mixed up. One of those, the end of January. Yeah. And uh, the nerves were there and the anticipation was there. And we just, I don't know. We had uh, so many friends and family that showed up to support us that have been there way before we were able to play the Opry and had our backs for years and years. And they were just as proud as we were. So it was great to share that with them. And we got a big standing ovation and amazing. stuff like that. And it was uh, I'm getting chills right now just saying that. It was amazing. Oh, yeah. I, I ugly cried on the way off stage. <laughs> I had no idea. You know, we got done playing. I was kind of like, okay, we did it. Now I can I can relax. And I heard the announcer saying, you know, ladies and gentlemen, if you were wondering, yes, that is a standing ovation because he's talking for the radio uh, people listening on WSM back there. And uh, I looked up, and I and that's when I noticed. And, like, you know, when the ugly cry comes on, you just can't stop it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like, ah! <laughs> that's, that's when people see the true you yeah. when you're doing an ugly cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Got to let it all out. And do you have a new song? Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell us about it. It's called Gonna Be a Problem. Mm-hmm. Um, it could have been in that original batch of songs we did at the beginning of 2020. We recorded 14 songs, and so we were kind of like, we got to stop. Um, but anyways... At the time, our friend Jordan Davis had it on hold to record for himself. And uh, so we figured, you know, well, I guess we can't put it on this session because when you have it on hold, that means like, no one, get your hands off. It's mine. You know, and uh, anyways, uh, he just held it and held it and held it. I'm like, dude, are you ever going to record this dang song? <laughs> and uh, we ended up being on the road with him last year, last fall, and uh, ended up like having some drinks and listening to that song back in the green room. And he was just like, God, this guy, this song is such a hit. Jordan was saying this. He's like, you know, I'm so sorry, like, I held it, and, like, we were kind of telling him, like, you know, we're thinking about cutting it, and he's like, well, only way I would ever record this song is if I was doing it with you all. And we're kind of like, well, let's do it. <laughs> and a few weeks later, we were in the studio. Yeah. Wow. He sang on it with us and like, a little background vocal. Um, but I'm glad we got it. He, I think he would have nailed it, mm-hmm. but we, we threw a different spin on it. Um, I'm really proud of this song. Yeah. It's fun. We we just made a visualizer or a video for it as well that I'm super proud of. You know, this it had a the origin of it too. It, it was a little different for us. I feel like a lot of our songs um, start with some kind of guitar riff, you know, uh, and then we kind of go, "Oh, that sounds like it's it should have a title like this." Or Brent starts singing some crazy melody. And we're like, "Okay, that's cool." But this song, um, I was playing the keys, playing those. I guess it's like the Who chords. You know, uh, what is it, Teenage Wasteland? And uh, and I pulled up like a synthesizer and, and we were, you know, that was kind of the vibe for the song. It, it almost felt like it could be a Bruno Mars mm-hmm. track, you know, and which is not really, if, you, if you've ever listened to us, we don't really sound a lot like Bruno Mars. <laughs> so anyways, we got the our own demo done. We recorded it and, uh, which I love Bruno Mars, by the way, probably why I pulled up a keyboard sound like that. But uh, I think we were kind of scared of the song, like, does this sound like us? But when we finally went to cut it, we just played a bunch of guitars all over it and we're like oh yeah there it just is the organic just classic band mm-hmm. bass drums yeah. keys guitars i was like oh this is uh, this is us yeah um gonna be a problem is an excellent phrase which i will be adopting in my life when i need to <laughs> i'm gonna say to people well, that's gonna be a problem um now in the context of the song you're talking about a lovely lady mm-hmm. who is gonna be a problem for for good reasons um 
Is there anything that happens day to day in your life that either fills you with so much joy or dread that you think, oh, that's going to be a problem? Yes. Uh, all the time, yeah. Um, you know, go ahead, Brent. No, go ahead, man. I'm trying to think of specifics. Um, speaking of lovely lady, uh, my wife is also the mother of my beautiful boys. And uh, the word dread, uh, <laughs> every morning when I hear my, you know, just waking up and our um, our five-month-old is teething right now, so he's not sleeping the best. And uh, I hear his door open, and that's when I'm filled with dread, like, oh, God, here we, the morning is starting. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't even slept exactly yet <laughs> which my wife is you know dealing with a lot more uh, sleep deprivation but um it's also like you know we wake up we start playing with match or hot wheels cars and uh he wants to make pancakes and it's like it's such a beautiful moment mm-hmm. um so yeah it's it's having kids uh parenthood is so beautiful and terrible all in the yeah. same <laughs> moment with this tune like one thing i love about it is i like things to be as genuine as they can be and Sometimes writing a love song with a catchy melody and things like that, it can not be that. Um, but I feel like this is a very true emotion. Like I remember meeting my wife because, you know, I was on a path. I, I was at a point in my life where I was like, I'm I'm not sure I'm ever going to get married or anything like that. And I met her and I was like, man, my, I think, I think my world is about to change. You know what I mean? And, um, and it's true. It's not, I mean, I guess with songs, you make them a little more dramatic, but uh, I definitely had that feeling. I just realized the answer I gave to your question had nothing to do with the song. <laughs> <laughs> but that's cool. Yeah. But we want to know. We've got the big, grand love song. It, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. And you did to know the day-to-day Hot Wheels. Well, definitely this song, yeah. <laughs> to give it more... Uh, day-to-day Hot Wheels. Yeah. That's yeah. a more, more related band name. Well, yeah, that is a good, good, <laughs> day-to-day good Hot song Wheels. title. Everett, Next up. The day-to-day Hot Wheels. <laughs> yeah. But uh, for real, this song, it really, it's like, I met my wife and it, I was just kind of like, okay, I'm in. Here we go. I'm here. Mm-hmm. Oh, how lovely to hear. Where's the strangest place you've ever been inspired to write a song or the strangest thing that's ever inspired one of your songs? Um, strangest thing that has inspired the song. I, I mean... As a songwriter, I feel like your antennas are up constantly. Like we were on the tube this morning, and um, I was just kind of looking around, thinking about watching people, you know. Um, It's funny, I'm adopting the name Tube. Anthony was... (laughs) On the tube. He was making fun of me. He was like, you come to London once, and you're already (laughs) picking up the vernacular. We call it a subway. Anyway, Mm -hmm. um, I would say probably... uh, the strangest thing for me is at night when I'm sleeping and you wake up in the middle of the night and you have this grand idea. When you wake up in the middle of the night, you think this is the best song idea that's ever existed. And hopefully you write it down because it goes away. And you write it down and you're like, oh, I cannot wait to get up in the morning. And then you wake up the next morning and you look, you're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> this is terrible. I'm not going to write about <laughs> sunglasses or whatever <laughs> stupid thing is going to be so it's so true that the the times when that are inconvenient to be inspired that's when you, i feel like you're the most inspired you know like when i'm driving i feel like every time i'm driving you know i hear somebody talking on npr and they say something like ooh, ooh, ooh. so i turn off the radio and i'm like recording a voice memo trying to drive and not kill myself you know on the interstate but also like mowing the grass 
um, in the shower. You know, it's like it's always the inconvenient times you have to like stop what you're doing and record yeah. a voice memo. But it, it, I feel like you know, five times out of seven, you go back to it and you're kind of like, that's pretty stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I get like I I sit in the morning and drink coffee. Hopefully, I get up before the family. That way, I can have a minute. And uh, sometimes that's my favorite spot to be inspired. I remember I wrote this song by myself and I was sitting there drinking coffee and just kind of looking around. And I started the verse just in my head. I was like, I saw this little dandelion growing in the middle of a concrete sidewalk. And I was feeling kind of positive that day. And I was like, hmm, bright colored flower growing, uh, bright colored flower growing through the concrete, red sunrise good cup of coffee, and then I was thinking, what else is cool? Windows down on a wide-open country road, ice-down beer, and a boat that floats. And the song's called Little Things. Anyway, my point being, I was just sitting there looking around the room and going, like, man, this is a pretty good day, I think. So mm-hmm. those are my favorite moments, I think. Uh, one more uh, on this topic, because this is funny. I was washing dishes, and my little boy's running, running around one morning, like after breakfast, and I, I was on a, I was trying to sober up for a minute just to kind of dry out some, um, which, you know, got to do time to time. And uh, I was just kind of like, I, I could I could have a beer right now. And I was kind of like, dang, even on like a beautiful morning, I'm still like, yeah, I could, I could get drunk. Which, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of joking around, like, uh, I promise I don't have a problem. I do I? I don't, oh, no, I'm just oh that's normal in the UK. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so I was just like, man, everything makes washing dishes makes me want to get drunk. And I was like, I just started rhyming in my head. I was like, good days make me want to get drunk. Bad days want to make me make me want to get drunk. Talking about being young, talking about growing up makes me want to get drunk. And, I, and so I'm like washing dishes and having to like you know yell into my phone like different. And I wrote like uh, five verses to this song, make me want to get drunk. And um, no, the world will never hear it, but it's but fine. it was important yeah. that you wrote it. <laughs> you had to get it out. <laughs> you got to write those to get to the hit at uh-huh. nine yeah. thirty in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, you've been making music together for a good while now, mm-hmm. um, and country music has changed probably quite a lot um, during that time. So, how have you kind of adapted musically? Mm. I think that you know, for us, honestly, and I know this is kind of a an answer a lot of artists say, but we really don't think of genre when we're writing and making music. I mean, we're from Kentucky and. Our Kentucky roots always make their way through the music, so we can't hide our country, I guess you'd say. <laughs> can't hide the hillbilly. Can't hide the hillbilly. <laughs> um, but we just love music, and um, country music has changed so much. I mean, it's I mean, it's pretty much every genre in one, I feel like, um, with a, a fiddle or something in there to make it country. Um, but I think it's cool. I mean, I think it's, I think it's always cool to push the boundaries and... Um, there's not a right way to do it, um, but we, we have our way, and that's all we know how to do. I feel like uh, when I first came, when we both first came to Nashville, there was a lot of frustration because it you know, did feel like the country music. We th- I remember then thinking, like, I'm writing country, I'm making country music, and then but then listening to what was on the radio and whatnot going, what is happening? This is not what I signed up for or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there was a period of time uh, when we, we were roommates, and I remember just arguing, or not arguing, but I guess – complaining um about then you know the current state of country and then when i finally just was stopped complaining about it and just made music i felt made me feel would make me feel something i feel like that's when things started to click you know Mm -hmm. and definitely for the both of us when we're not worried about 
you know, what is the trends or what is this supposed to sound like? You know, we're mm-hmm. more so kind of like, what does it feel like to us? You know, and we're we've just we're okay with being the uh, drunk uncle at the Christmas party. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like that's uh, who we are in, in, the, in the genre. Everybody in the UK is going to be like, uh, can we get those guys some help? Yeah, <laughs> no, everyone in the UK is going to be like, I want them to come to my party oh. because I think everyone in the UK feels like the drunk aunt or uncle at the Christmas party. So you're going to fit right in. It's, All right. it's great. Um, so you've played the Opry. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is on the uh, musical bucket list? Well, when we get back to the States, we have a week off, and then we're going on tour with Brothers Osborne, mm. um, who we love dearly as people and musically. Bucket list. Uh, man, I want to play in Canada so bad. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to do that at some point. Yeah. But we have a lot of music festivals we're doing, and like Anthony said earlier, we have, uh, I was about to say we have our single coming out, but it is out. It's yeah. out today. <laughs> Trying um, to think, like bucket list specific stuff, like... Um, I want to play. There's a place in Louisville. I remember going to shows when I was Kentucky, a kid. That is Louisville, Louisville Kentucky, Kentucky. <laughs> Louisville, <laughs> which I guess people look at it and say Louisville or Louisville, but it's Louisville. We say Louisville. Louisville. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm glad you told me that because I definitely would have said Louisville. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's probably the correct way. Can you say it the way we say oh. it now? Louisville. 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 There you go. You, got it. you can't, if you open your mouth even the slightest, it's too much. But uh, Louisville. 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 Okay. Got it. But there's this place there, uh, Headliners, which I've seen so many cool shows there. And I've always wanted to play a show there. And that's on the bucket. I mean, it's not even, it's not huge. It's maybe what, 600 capacity. But yeah. it's kind of like a mountain I've, I've been looking at since I was 13, going, like, mm. I'm going to climb you one day. Yeah. Do you have like, Together and individually, like a country music origin story. Is Ooh. there was there a moment or a song that made you realize country is my thing? Mm. I want to do this. That's a great question. Yeah, that is. Um, well, like I said earlier, we're inspired by so many genres. I I love rock and roll, blues, jazz, all the above. But when it comes to country, I remember hearing George Jones' voice uh, for the first time, and I thought I've never heard anything like this before. It just feel like his voice encapsulates every great thing about country music because one thing I love about country music is that um, it it feels like it was born from folk music so it feels like it comes from the dirt a little bit that people grew up in and uh, I think that's what drew me to it it feels authentic it feels like um, I mean obviously if people are becoming fans of it here in the UK they um, were a, an ocean away from each other, but you can hopefully feel that um, authenticity of um, that's that uh, we all we all share the same kind of stories, I guess, um, when it comes to where you grew up and just the origin of all that. But um, I don't know. There's so many great artists that have inspired us. I mean, I know for me, I uh, my mom used. To, I remember being a little boy, and I'm you know. Patsy Cline, uh, Randy Travis. And, I, you know, when you're little, you don't really think about, or at least I don't remember thinking about country or gospel or yeah. whatever. But when I started playing guitar, I was really into, you know, Jimi Hendrix and Metallica and um, all the guitar gods and whatnot. And I got into, like, playing punk and metal. And then I was then I got into playing classical guitar. And, and it, it was everything was just about the guitar. <laughs> and um, I didn't really pay a lot of attention to, to country in my late teens. It wasn't until I was, I guess, like 19 or 20, I don't know, whatever. Uh, I went to a, 
a girlfriend I had at the time wanted to go see Keith Urban. And uh, and I'd always kind of thought like, oh, cool, another modern country. Sounds great. But then I, we, I, hadn't, I had no idea who he was. But I saw the live show and my jaw like was bruised because it just hit the floor so hard. Like I was just in love with his playing and the songs. Like the, I remember that, that era of Keith Urban, I feel like is some of the coolest music. And that's, that was kind of like, okay, I, I want to listen to more of this. Then I discovered Brad Paisley. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm in. <laughs> You guys are the kings of the Dairy Queen parking lot. <laughs> or, never... or the queens of the Burger King parking lot. I don't know. Indeed. Well, to, to each its own. Um, I've never been to the Dairy Queen. Mm-hmm. Um, you tell me about it. What, what makes a king of the Dairy Queen parking lot? <laughs> well, Dairy Queen is a great ice cream spot where mm-hmm. you can also get chicken fingers and a hamburger. Ooh. Um, Chicken fingers, fries, and some gravy. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh they're yeah, great all, biscuits you know, and gravy. Healthy. Are great. Uh, yeah, I have a Dairy Queen patch on my oh arm. Oh, God, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this song was born from, uh, I had a title I wanted to write. Well, first it was called Kings of Humphrey Lane because me and my cousin grew up on Humphrey Lane and I was wanting to write a story about um, our our hangs and stuff when we were kids. And then it just, I was like, well, maybe it should be Kings of the Parking Lot because that's a little more relatable. And then we were, me and Anthony and our friend Bobby Pinson were writing, and I told him that title. And Bobby was wearing a Dairy Queen hat. And he was like, what about Kings of the Dairy Queen parking lot? That's how he talked. <laughs> what about Kings of the Dairy Queen parking lot? And we were like, oh, my gosh, that's what that's play it. on words. And uh, we actually we wrote that first verse. I remember we toiled over just trying to get that right combination of words, you know, the same way like peanut butter and jelly can go together. We were making sure every line was like that. And, uh, and it was it took a lot of time. So we got that first first and then Kings of the Dairy Queen parking lot. And that's all we had for like months. And it just sat. We kind of forgot about it. Mm-hmm. And then Brent found the voice memo of it. Thank God for technology. And I immediately text. I was like, dudes, we got to finish this. This is the the thing. It's funny you mentioned you've never been to Dairy Queen. But I would bet that you had a spot like 16, 17, 18 years old where you went to where you felt that first taste of freedom where mm-hmm. you're, you got your driver's license and you were able to hang with friends and get away from your parents and maybe sneak a little something something in your mountain Dew. yeah um, that was mcdonald's yeah <laughs> but yeah. uh but that that I, I dig this song because it i feel like everybody had that spot no matter where you're from to where you felt what freedom. was your spot taco bell what would you say yours is and mine was definitely McDonald's. McDonald's, yeah. In Watford Town Centre. I hear you. Right. And my, mine was a KFC. I feel like that's where me, me and all my punk rock friends, we all worked there. So clock out at 9.30 and we'd hang in the parking lot we and smoke covered cigarettes. covered all the fast food restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. Do, you, do you feel an affinity with KFC? Because you're from Kentucky. Oh, I never thought about that. You know, it's it's probably the fast food I get the least because I worked there. And I feel like that smell is still burned into my nostrils. Mm. Yeah. Do you think that if I went to a Dairy Queen, I could be a queen of the Dairy Queen parking lot? Or would I be usurping the Dairy Queen? Oh, wow. I think absolutely. Yeah, <sighs> you get you a, they have these dipped cones where you get an ice cream and they just dip it in chocolate or like some sort. Last time we were there, we had a, uh, it was like orange a dreamsicle yeah. orange thing. They dipped it in. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite song you've ever written? Mm. <laughs> oh, you, you know, the, the answer is the last song because it's your new baby. It's it, and that's so true. It's like you kind of move on, and the new song is like, oh, this is the best song I've ever written. 
Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorites is probably, uh, it's on our record, Mama, I'll Be Okay. Mm-hmm. It's the last song on our side A of the record. And I love it because I remember writing it, and it was one of those songs that kind of fell out in like 30 minutes. And uh, the song's just like a letter to her. We have both have great mothers who are their friends as well. And, uh-huh. and uh, I remember when we were younger deciding to go for this dream, my mom was like, what are you thinking? <laughs> like, it's, it's crazy. She was always so worried. And um, it's just a letter just saying, like, hey, you, you raised us right. You you were a good mom. And uh, because of that, we're going to be just fine, you know. Such a good question. There's so many. I, I definitely agree with you, Brent. Like, it's the, the last one that popped out is the one you're still kind of chewing on. And, you know, uh, I, I, we just wrote a song um, – a couple of weeks ago or whatever it was with uh, Steve Mochler that I'm like in love with. It's uh, uh, Diamonds and Islands. And he had that title and we were kind of like, oh, what, what's so what's it about? And we we're like, I don't know. <laughs> we just started talking about it. But it's, you know, speaking of um, beautiful women in our lives, uh, talking about like like our wives, um, you deserve diamonds and islands. like you, And you say you're good as gold with a guy like me, you know. Mm-hmm. I love that song. Yeah, I do. Do you tend to come – when you're writing together, what's your process? Do you tend to find those kind of common feelings and themes or do you sometimes, someone's feeling something and the other one isn't, but you make it work? You know, there there can be some bruises, mm-hmm. some black mm-hmm. eyes here and there. <laughs> yeah, you have your perspective, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and sometimes you have to be stubborn with that because you have the vision and sometimes the other person has the vision you have to let go of the reins a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be a tough process because me and Anthony are so – alpha i feel like in our creative stance and uh but i think that's also what makes it really cool sometimes we i need to see your creative stance real quick <laughs> oh you don't want to see that this morning oh, yeah <laughs> you don't want to see that goodness <laughs> i'm picturing like a like your legs are spread your arms are your arms up or down are you holding your arms depends on the day okay <laughs> yeah yeah creative I, stance i'm probably more a downward dog closer than that know. Which one is that again? I, I need to stop talking. <laughs> Do you, is this something you can connect with Brothers Osborne about? You can discuss your uh, the duo dynamic. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, funny, uh, Brent, well, they're actual brothers. We're brothers mm. from another mother. Yeah. <laughs> Brent wants to call it the uh, beard and no beard tour. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think and you know, um, and that John, you know, he's the his voice is the guitar, and TJ is the voice. Mm. Um, Man, they're so fantastic together. You know, I I feel like um, a lot of people used to say like, oh, yeah, you guys remind us of uh, Brothers Osborne, which is a great compliment. But you also kind of start thinking like, is that OK? Like, you know, is that lane already taken? But um, I'm very curious. I think to, it's the beard and no beard. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh, such a good question. You know, the sharing the stuff about duos. I think about having somebody, you know, there with you to celebrate and to, you know, mourn. And, you know, recover from failure is so important. And I can't imagine being a solo artist um, going through all of that alone. Mm-hmm. Like having somebody makes it all so much, you know. Especially the highs, I think. Mm-hmm. I think you think about the lows sometimes having somebody to lean on, which is great. But I think it's great to share the high moments, too, because there's nobody on the planet that knows what that feels like mm-hmm. except for the one you're, you know, traveling around with and. That's a cool feeling to have that, you know, somebody knows exactly where, where you're at, you know, because 
you're a solo artist, which God bless them all, it's a tough road, um, and you're accepting an award or something like people might think they know what you're feeling or you know will celebrate with you, but not truly, you know. Mm. What What was the first venue you ever played together? Froggies, I think. What's a this? church. Oh. Really? Yeah. We uh we actually got paid one time to play at a church. Yeah. I think I don't. But I think the first honky tonk we played was Froggies. Yeah. Well, we call it a honky tonk. It was like a pizza pub, <laughs> like a shotgun bar with cigarette smoke. That's when you could still smoke inside. Yeah. And all the free pizza and free beer you you could imagine. How we, American. We took advantage <laughs> of every last drop. Yeah. Uh, Our first song we played on stage at that place, I remember, because we screwed it up. We were so nervous. It was uh, Mud on the Tires by Brad Paisley. It was like a bar where we played four hours of like our own songs and covers and I remember we messed it up, but people didn't seem to mind. I think they were drunk. Yeah. <laughs> good for them. <laughs> yeah, good for them. Um, is there one thing you're hoping to do whilst you're here in London? Oh, man. Um, I want to spend more time with uh, with locals. We mm-hmm. love meeting people. Okay. And um, every interaction thus far has been pretty cool. <laughs> and they are so sweet, man. I mean, seriously. I mean, we were on the plane and... Um, the uh, flight attendants who were, I don't know if they were, I don't know where they were from, but they had an accent like y'all. And <laughs> and they were so sweet compared to the flight we were on in America. I was like, man, I love these people. What I was looking forward to the most we've already done, we had a private tour of the parliament, which was oh, incredible. Amazing. And uh, they were showing us right where William Wallace was on trial and I looked at our tour guide, and I was like, you mean to tell me Mel Gibson stood right here? <laughs> <laughs> I He didn't laugh. <laughs> I was joking. He, he didn't connect. <laughs> I used to work in Parliament, and uh, there was a lot of – there was no official guide on how to give a tour, and there was a lot of weird information that people used to give out about ghosts oh. and footprints oh, that uh, burned into the floor by Nelson Mandela. So I don't know if you heard any of that. I hope you got the official tour that's <laughs> not full of that. lies. Okay. But I kind of wish we did. Well. Yeah. It's just complete lies. So it's good. It's good that you didn't. Um, Well, now we are coming to a little feature that we call The Banger That Should Have Been, um, where we ask our guests to tell us about a country song that they think should have been a hit. Um, So what have you guys got for us? Um, Mine would be about 10 years ago or so. Don't quote me on that. Uh, Dirk Bentley had a song that came out called There Ain't Enough Bourbon in Kentucky. And we're from Kentucky, and we love bourbon. Um, so the whole song is like, there ain't enough bourbon in Kentucky that can help me get over you. I love that song, and it just bombed, I think. But I think it should have been a hit. Man, I, I'm also with you on Dirk's, uh, his album, Up on the Ridge. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a, you know, I, I love Dirk's earlier stuff, and then... um you know, he, we're both, Brent and I are both huge fans of bluegrass and he put out that record and I was just like so smitten with every song. And and I was just thinking like, oh my God, bluegrass is going to come back to the radio waves. And it, and it didn't. Um, but, and I feel like a lot of people in the industry were kind of like, well, I'm glad he got to scratch that itch. When's he going to put out his next record? I'm kind of like, what? This is some of the most beautiful music that's come out of Nashville in a while. It was so great. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, 
I've listened to that record. I listened to that CD until it wouldn't play anymore, which I feel like is difficult because, you know, CDs are supposed to be like indestructible. But you still listen to CDs? This was back then. Oh. <laughs> Welcome to the future. Yeah. <laughs> Have you met Tux? Yeah. Yeah. He was on the Opry with us on our debut. Oh, when we, got to, we hung out and uh, it was cool because Ricky Skaggs was there too, speaking of bluegrass, who's like the bluegrass king. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, hanging with him was kind of a, a dream come true. And he was there. The last time we played the opera too, Ricky was, and to feel like you kind of become buddies is like, what? What's going on? We were standing there um, in like the common area backstage at the Opry. Um, I was there with my wife and my little boy, and uh, little Freddie was eating popcorn, and he just had stuff all over his face. And I looked over, and the only paper towels were right behind Ricky and Dirk. So I'm just kind of like, okay, I have to not be weird because I've not met either of them yet. I don't want to be. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna squeeze through real quick. I walked over there. And they both like just turned and looked at me like, hello, you know, like nice to meet. And I was kind of like, uh, paper towel. But uh, <laughs> that's what's great about country music. I'm telling you, all the artists, no, big, small, medium, um, they're everybody's so sweet. And it's like kind of like a family, you know, everybody understands what you're going through, kind of a thing. Well, oh, sorry, I'm cutting you off. No, go ahead. Well, Dirk's, uh, it's, this kind of blew my mind. He's like, um, hey, y'all are playing that. Uh, um, we had just released Man of Constant Star. Like, y'all are playing that song. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and he says, "Yo, yeah, I've been I've been jamming that song, man. You all killed it. Like it's so cool." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> I feel like I said I couldn't speak English. You were starstruck with Dirks, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I was with Ricky, but no. his hair did look really cool that night. <laughs> I couldn't stop looking at it. He's always had some some grade A hair. Yeah, <clears throat> grade A songs and grade A hair. Mm-hmm. That's, Mostly that's the hair. An album title, <laughs> yeah. I think, and a band name. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us um, have an amazing time at C2C um, and can't wait to see what's coming next is uh, what's what's going to be the highlight of this coming year we've got Brothers Osborne Woo. yeah I think we're living in the highlight right now yeah. being here in London and then uh, following that with Brothers Osborne tour mm-hmm. cool alright yeah, thanks for having us thank you thank you That was Everett. To hear the full episode with music from the band and all the best and brightest in country music, head over to whynow.co.uk. We've got some really exciting upcoming guests for our next episode, so make sure to follow us on Instagram at Strokes of Country for all the updates. You can also follow Why Now on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Why Now World. You've been listening to this Why Now production of Strokes of Country. Thanks again to BBR Music. We'll see you next time. Strokes of Country.